the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Having the Right Perspective in Times of Trouble. Having the Right Perspective in Times of Trouble. And it is based on 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 through 17 that was read for us. On January the 23rd, 1999, an American missionary by the name of Graham Staines and his two sons, Philip 11 and Timothy 6, were murdered by a large mob of militant Hindus in India. They had gone to a Christian camp in the jungle where Graham Staines was ministering. At midnight, a mob attacked with, um, by setting fire to the jeep in which Graham and his sons were sleeping. They were burnt alive. When the fire finally cooled, they found the charred body of Graham Staines with his arms around the bodies of his two sons. The response of Graham's wife, Gladys, and her 11-year-old daughter, Esther, was on the front page of every newspaper in India. Gladys said, quote, I have only one message for the people of India. I'm not bitter, neither am I angry, but I have one desire, and that is that each citizen of this country would establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who gave his life for their sins. Let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. End of quote. Many people were surprised when Gladys Staines decided to stay in India. She explained her decision this way. My husband and our children have sacrificed their lives for this nation. India is my home. I hope to be here and continue to serve the needy. When asked how she felt about the murder of her dad and brothers, 11-year-old Esther said, I praise the Lord that he found my father worthy to die for him. Mrs. Staines and her daughter stayed true to God in their time of trouble. 
Peter wants us to keep the right perspective about any trouble that we face. So what is the perspective supposed to be? Let me give you five questions uh, as a way of organizing what Peter has to say. And the first question is, what should be the state of my mind when I'm going through difficulty? First Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, verse 13 and 14b says, or 14a says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. So Peter begins by presenting us with the two possibilities for Christians living in a hostile world. First, there is a possibility that we won't suffer at all. He says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? You see, if you are truly eager to do good in the sight of God and man, then you should have nothing to fear. And most of the time, for most of us, that's how life works out. When we play by the rules, we should live in safety and security. But that doesn't always happen. And that leads Peter to the second possibility. But even if you should suffer for doing right, you are blessed. You see, doing right does not guarantee a trouble-free life for us as Christians. But there is a reward. Peter says you are blessed. You need not be intimidated. People may hurt you, but they cannot harm you. They may intimidate you, but they cannot tear you away from God. The Apostle Paul uh, addresses this whole issue in this way. In Romans chapter 8, 35, uh, 38 and 39. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or are hungry, or cold, or in danger, or threatened with death. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul, um, in another one of uh, his other books, reminds us not to be anxious about what is taking place, but to turn everything over to God in prayer and allow the peace of God to rule over our troubled hearts and minds. And you'll find this in Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. Paul puts it this way. Don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So don't let your circumstances intimidate you, for you have the power of God beside you to get you through whatever situation you're in. He's an ever-faithful God. You can count on his promise never to leave you nor forsake you. But the second question is, what should be the attitude of my heart? What should be the attitude of my heart? In verse 14, again, this time in the New Living Translation, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it, so don't be afraid and don't worry. So we need to remember that we are the object of God's everlasting love when we are going through difficult times. When we have troubles, our tendency is to feel unhappy, to be, um, to feel that we are unfairly treated, or that God has uh, removed his protection from us and we are forgotten. Remember the words of, of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 10, and 11, where Jesus says, God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. So you're blessed. Always keep that in mind. Let it be settled in your heart. As Peter says in chapter 3, verse 15a, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You see, when I'm feeling uh, or facing trouble of one kind or another, I need to remind myself that Jesus is Lord and that he is in control, not only of my life, but of the entire universe uh, which he created. He's still ruling my life, even if circumstances would tempt me to want to give up my faith. I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. My heart is still ruled by Jesus Christ. I must lift up Christ and worship him as Lord and must do that even when it is not popular or easy. It's when Peter says, don't be afraid and don't worry, which you find in, in verse um, 14c, uh, he is quoting from Isaiah chapter 8, 12 and 13, where the prophet speaks to the people of Israel as the mighty Assyrian army uh, threatened to overrun the city of Jerusalem. Vastly outnumbered, the people of God seemed in a hopeless situation. They thought that it was only a matter of time until 
they were defeated by the great Assyrian army. And so Isaiah's message in Isaiah chapter 8, 12, and 13 uh, must have seemed rather crazy when Isaiah said, Do not be afraid that some plan conceived behind closed doors will be the end of you. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear him, you need fear nothing else. So Peter is saying, don't fear impending disaster. Fear God. The heart controls the emotions, and I'm supposed to turn my emotional turmoil over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Turn over your worries, your fears, your doubts, and your cares. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast your cares on him and allow him to fortify your heart and, and um, give you the confidence and uh, the power that you need in order to overcome your situation. Don't be afraid when you feel surrounded or overwhelmed by circumstances over which you have no control. You see, God is with you always if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So give up fear, give up your fright, give up your worry, and give up your habit of being intimidated. The real issue is the lordship of fear versus the lordship of Christ. Those who make Christ Lord need not fear what, what um, mean and wicked people can do to them. As the example of Graham Staines and the story I shared with you shows, this does not mean that as Christians we are exempt from the worst kinds of suffering. We may suffer and our children may suffer with us, but if we set apart Christ as Lord, he can rest, we can rest well at night, knowing that nothing can touch us that does not first pass through his loving sovereign hands. This principle offers the only possible explanation for the long line of martyrs down through the centuries whose love for Christ was more than their love for themselves. Before trouble came, they settled it in their hearts that only Christ matters. In light of eternity, could anything in this world matter more than Jesus Christ? Since this world is passing away, nothing that we do or say, nothing uh, we achieve, nothing we own, no fortune we amass, no empire we may build, no list of friends that we may have, none of it matters at all compared to our Lord Jesus Christ. Only Christ matters in the final analysis because you're going to be with him forever and forever. We'll never be ready for suffering until we lift Christ up and set him apart as Lord of all. But the third question is, what should be the focus of my speech? What should be the focus of my speech? In 1 Peter chapter 3, 15b, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
For centuries now, this verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, 15, has been the foundational verse for the study of the theological discipline called apologetics. That is, the intellectual defense of the Christian faith against unbelievers or unbelieving philosophy. Defending the faith has always been a matter of defending the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the existence of God or the verification of Christianity through fulfilled prophecy. See, there is nothing wrong in giving an intellectual defense of our faith when you have to. And um, in case you don't know, I have a graduate degree in that subject called apologetics and I taught it um, for a number of years. But in this verse, Peter doesn't tell us to be ready to defend our faith with all kinds of arguments. He's saying be ready to talk about how you can have hope when your world is crumbling. Be ready to talk about how you can have hope when the economy is in the dumpster. Uh, He's telling you to be ready to talk about how you can have hope when your health is failing. Be ready to talk about how you can have hope when it looks like nothing is going right in your life. It's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Years ago, our Daily Bread devotional booklet told the story about a man whose dog had just been killed in a forest fire. The man worked outdoors and often he would take his dog with him. One morning he told the dog, because the dog is very obedient, told the dog to stay in a clearing near his lunch bucket while he went deeper into the woods to work. His dog understood and did exactly as he had been commanded to do. That day a forest fire swept through the woods and spread to the spot where the dog had been left. Later, firefighters found the remains of the dog next to the remains of the lunch bucket. He had stayed right where he had been told, in perfect obedience to his master's instructions. Now, if a dog can do that, we as believers in Christ ought to seek to practice obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God expects of us who are the recipients of his grace. But let's move on to the fourth question. What should be the state of my conscience? What should be the state of my conscience? In verse 16, it says, Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. This means living such a life that if people criticize you for the way you live, they have to tell a lie to do it. Now this touches some very down-to-earth issues. Issues like integrity, keeping your word, speaking the truth, practicing the golden rule, refusing to spread gossip, 
doing good works or doing a good job uh, when you are at work, obeying the law, showing compassion to the hurting, and sharing with those in need. He said, "These are there, well, there are many malicious people in the world who will spitefully uh, use and abuse you. Some people seem to hate anyone who isn't as mean as they are. <laughs> and you probably know a few of those persons. You may even live with such a person. But we can't always avoid being around vindictive people who go out of their way to hurt us. But we can live such good lives that they have to lie about us in order to attack us. So don't give anyone a reason to slander Christ because of the way you live. In verse 17, Peter, Peter says, Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. It may be God's will that we should suffer for doing right. Jesus suffered at the hands of evil men. The same thing happens to his followers in many parts of the world. In fact, there are more people who are dying for their faith uh, in the 21st century, 20th, 20th and 21st centuries, than have died in the three earliest centuries when there was um, a state persecution of, of Christians. But... Um, these people have uh, recognized that their lives are in the hands of God. And if he wants to take them home via um, persecution and death, then that is his prerogative and they will still trust him. Peter says it's better than to suffer because we have done wrong. Now how does all this comfort us? The answer is not hard to find. We may be persecuted for our faith or even die for our faith, and that's okay. That's all the devil can do to us. He has no other ammunition to use against us. He did all he could to Graham Staines and his sons. He said, death is Satan's final blow, but it is not the end. Oh, listen, Christians, can you hear the sound of laughter from the other side of the grave? They're singing over there, singing praise to Jesus who triumphed over death. Will we be persecuted, perhaps? Will some of us suffer for our faith, perhaps? Could uh, we lose everything we have? It's happening elsewhere in the world today. Is that God's will? Yes, for some. Can our enemies kill us? Yes, some have already died. What happens then? You wouldn't believe it if I told you, but it is good news. The best news you have ever heard. Oh, they may kill us, but that's all they can do. They can't touch the soul because that's a real us that will spend eternity with, with, with Christ. The most blessed and happy person is the one who has decided to follow Jesus. Normally that means we can expect long life and good days, but around the globe countless saints are suffering for their faith today. Following Jesus offers no guarantee about this life. But whether we live or die, 
God has promised to deliver us in the end. If you understand that, then you are truly blessed. If your heart is set on earthly things, possessions, pleasure, financial security, business success, upward mobility, or career advancement, then you are more most vulnerable because these things can be taken away from you so easily and you can be so easily hurt. But if you give your life to Jesus Christ and if you enthrone him as the Lord of your life, no one, not even the devil himself, can take that away from you. You are totally secure. So even in suffering, you can have hope. As Peter said, you are blessed. See, as Christians, our hope does not merely mean that we hope so. Nor does it mean that we think so. It means that we know so, and we know so because God said so. And having this hope, we know that God is in control. We know that his word is true. We know that we are more than conquerors. We know that victory will be ours. And we know that eternal life will be ours to enjoy through the ages of eternity. This God-given hope has given us reason to remain faithful, has given us support that we need in times of difficulty, has given us purpose and direction in our life, and has been our mainstay throughout the storms and the trials and the tribulations of life. This heavenly hope has given us motivation to deal with our problems, inspiration to hold on to our faith, confidence to face the future, and assurance that all will end well. This blessed hope has provided us with strength to carry our burdens, peace to calm our minds, encouragement to fight our battles, help to handle our hardships, and blessings to enrich our soul. This glorious hope will sustain us through the daily grind. It will sustain us through the long, dark nights, it will sustain us through the wearisome struggle. It will sustain us through the hour of suffering, through the depths of sorrow, through the death of a loved one, and it will sustain us through the final hours of our life. To have this blessed hope means that we know our prayers will be answered, that we have a joy that is beyond description, that we enjoy genuine comfort and assurance, that our sorrows will not last forever that the sun is coming up in the morning and that we are on our journey home. As the hymn writer says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m., you can reach us at 617-427-0424.
come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.